How's that? All right. Now, good morning. <laughs> Hearing that um, cave-like experience there reminded me of a time when Sandy and I were in college, and we decided that we would uh, be part of the Explorer group and college, and um, we went, um, what do they call it, spelunking? Spelunking. Caving. And um, I didn't, you know, you think I'm uh, fairly large now. Back then I was uh, a lot smaller, but I didn't feel like it in that cave. That was one of the most uh, interesting experiences of my life. I enjoyed it, except uh, the bats and the, um, the really uh, confined places um, didn't do too well. I never went again. <laughs> she loves me. <laughs> Uh, let's pray. Um, Lord God, I just pray right now that whatever I have to share here will be to your glory and that um, I give you praise in what you're doing in the lives of your people. May all that I share be true to what you would have me speak. May the words that come from my mouth bring glory to your name. And may I obey you in all that I do. May I love you the way uh, you have me love and that you deserve. And may I love others the way that you love me. And may I be filled with your spirit and bringing peace rather than strife in everything in my life. And may we all experience that as well. Amen. Well, the years have gone by really, really quickly. And uh, I was reminded of that not too long ago when Sandy and I celebrated our 28th anniversary. Some of you in this room aren't 28 years old. I realize that. <laughs> but uh, it was wonderful, and it was a lot of excitement in our house. Uh, we were planning a, a vacation. And this was, you know, it, it had been a long time since we actually had a vacation. There were some work trips and things like that, but it had been a very long time. You see, um, it's, been, um, it's been five years of uh, undergraduate and graduate studies, and she's finally done. Woohoo! It's great, yeah. Um, and the last few years in the financial services business has, well, you know what that's been like. It's probably been the most stressful time in my whole 25-year career. So, you know, to, to start to plan this thing was really neat. Um, I didn't do much of the planning. Sandy did the planning. She took care of the details. And what I did is I had a few surprises, kind of in, 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 in mind uh, for our, our trip. Um, you might say that uh, all in the world was good. At least all in our world was, was good at that time. You know, we actually, um, we actually were, were, were planning this thing, planning this vacation, and I took off five days, five whole days, three of which were from work. So, you know, it'd be nice to have a couple weeks, but what I could do is I could do a Friday, Monday, and Tuesday, and that's really what we planned, plus the weekend. So... 
here we go. Um, and, you know, the love of my life for more than 33 years. And all we had was each other. So in my mind, that was a really cool vacation. That was a really good plan. I love my children. I love my children. But I didn't want my children on this vacation. They can go on another one some other time. But this is the time that we were going to go. And then I asked myself, could I actually relax for five days? Could I actually set aside those, those things at work and all that stuff that goes on there? Could I actually not think about work? Could I actually not wonder if the stock market was going to crash? Wow, that was difficult. Uh, but, and, and by the way, that Monday it dropped 300 points. I saw it on the news. <laughs> yeah, I snuck a peek. Uh, but, but could I actually do that? And frankly, could Sandy? Uh, you know, I wondered if she could, could put aside all that stuff that she has been going through so that we could just focus on each other. And that was our goal, just to focus on being together and, and experiencing this, this moment that, we, that God had given us. And, and, and speaking of, of God giving us something, God, God really provided some, some neat things. Uh, thanks to Sandy's hard work, she got the you know, super-duper graduate student award at UNCG for her school. And that was kind of cool because it came with a, a cash award. That was really cool. So she made her first money <laughs> with her degree, so that was great. But that's the kind of stuff that God kind of put in place so that we could experience this time together. So, you know, after all that stuff, Sandy said, let's go to the beach. And after all that stuff, I said, yeah, let's go to the beach. So we went, so we went to the beach. And as we embarked, I kind of wondered what kind of path we were going to be on on our way there. And... Um, this path of life, with all its twists and turns, the familiar and the unfamiliar, the joys and sorrows, its fears and its joys, its worries, what sort of path are we on as a couple at this time in our life? And some of you haven't been married for very long. And, you know, I ask that question now. The older I get, the more I look back, and I think about that and how I ask those questions now. What kind of path am I on? What kind of path are we on? So let's explore a little bit in, uh, in Luke, and if you'll go ahead and get your Bibles out if you have them, uh, we're going to be in Luke, the first chapter of Luke. Uh, just a little background on Luke. Luke uh, was a companion of Paul, and um, he traveled with him, he went on numerous journeys with, with Paul, and so he was also uh, a physician, and many of you probably knew that about Luke, he was a physician. Now, physicians in the time of Jesus um, weren't held to the same esteem as they are today. They were essentially slaves. Now, there's no real evidence that I've been able to find except it was in a commentary someplace that told me that this is probably what uh, Luke was as a physician. He was a slave. In other words, he, somebody owned him. Somebody owned him and controlled his every every move, and he served them. He was a servant. 
Now, I don't know if he was a bond servant where he, he worked for somebody, they owned him, and, and maybe, you know, maybe he, maybe he was the physician for Paul. I don't really know those kinds of details about his, his occupation, but I do know that he was a, a physician. Um, now, um, perhaps, um, well, what is commonly known about Luke is that he, he was a believer in Jesus. So we know that. And he was also a disciple of Paul. So in other words, Paul was his teacher. As, so as he, as he went on these journeys with Paul, Paul was teaching him about the faith. And then they would, do these, they, would, they would go to these different areas and go to these areas and start churches and talk to people and, and really gather and create other disciples of Christ. Uh, but under Paul, Luke was his, basically was his student, which is kind of cool to think about being Paul's student, isn't it? That would be really a neat thing, wouldn't it, to be Paul's student? Um, he's attributed to, um, to writing uh, two books in the Bible, the Gospel according to Luke, which is an eyewitness first, you know, it wasn't a first-person account because he didn't actually um, witness the events of Jesus. But what he did is he interviewed people that were actual eyewitnesses. And in that first chapter of Luke, uh, and, and it's a long chapter, but I encourage you to read that sometime, but in that first chapter of Luke, he actually uh, interviews Mary, the mother of Jesus. So he gets a first, he gets an account of, from the first-hand account from the people that he interviewed. You know, think about going to a doctor today. Now, what does the doctor, well, let me put this, Think back. <laughs> when the doctor actually spent some time with you, um, what, did they, what did they do? They took a detailed history of your, of, and now I think a, probably a nurse does most of that. Uh, and, and, but they, they get a detailed history of your life, of your, of your, at least your health, of your physical life. And then they ask you other things too. Well, that's essentially what, what Luke was doing here as, as a physician. He was... Um, he was taking uh, information down, writing it down, with the idea of writing Luke, the Gospel of Luke, first-hand account, uh, and then he also wrote Acts. Now, I hadn't really thought about it, and, and so it wasn't, it wasn't in my mind that Luke was the, the author of Acts, but he was the author of Acts, the Acts, uh, and, and what a great... What a great story. Now, Acts ends pretty abruptly when Paul was in Rome. And Paul was under house arrest. So there's not a whole lot of information from that time written in Acts. So, um, so that gives you a little bit of background about Luke. So he actually interviewed Mary, the mother of Jesus, and he writes this account in the first chapter of Acts. Now, when he describes what happened at John's birth, John the Baptist. So in other words, he was, um, he was talking with Elizabeth and Zechariah, or he got this information from Mary. Because I don't really know. Remember, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth were in their old age when they had John. So at this time, they would have been really, really, really old. They were already old, but they would have been extremely old. Let's put it that way. 
Um, so I'm not real sure if Luke was interviewing uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth or if he just got the account of all that happens in that first chapter from Mary. I'm supposing it was from Mary. That's what I'm thinking happened. So anyway, as he describes what happened at John's birth, he writes it as if uh, he's taken that detailed history of, of, of the life that he inquired about. He addresses his writing to Theophilus. Now, Theophilus was this, uh, probably way too much detail here, but Theophilus was this minor ruler in the area that Luke lived. So, um, so we don't know exactly what his position was, but he wasn't a high, high f- official of any kind. But he calls him most excellent Theophilus, which means that he held some kind of office. Later on in, um, in Acts, it's O Theophilus, which means that he probably wasn't that official anymore, but rather he still held some kind of influence in the area. Now, Theophilus was probably very interested in Christianity for some reason. Don't really know why, but, but that's, that's who Luke was writing to. There was a group of Christians who were not as educated as Theophilus in the area that Luke was actually from. And this is who he's, he's writing to. He addresses it to Theophilus, but he's writing to this group of Christians who are helping Theophilus learn about Christianity. So that gives you a little bit of backdrop to, to this first chapter in Luke. So if we start in that uh, first chapter in Luke, um, here again, it's a, it's a fairly, fairly long chapter. And it's a great one, and I, here again, I, I really encourage you to, to at least read that sometime in the next few days. But in that first chapter, um, I'm going to start at uh, 76, Luke 76 through 80. But before I get to that, um, it's interesting about this, this um, Elizabeth and Zechariah. Elizabeth was old, and... Um, she was a relative of Mary, and Zechariah was a priest. And the angel came, I'll give you a little story, the angel came to Zechariah and said, you're going to have a son. And basically, Zechariah laughed. <laughs> right. I mean, he probably had that kind of reaction. Uh-huh, sure. Well, immediately the angel said, fine, you're not going to be able to talk until this baby is born. So fast forward, you know, nine months later, John is born, and the people in the they're they're going to name him, and Elizabeth says his name is John. Well, the people around her said, "Well, wait a minute, hold on, his name can't be John because there's nobody in your family named John." Well, Elizabeth said, "No, his name is John. His name is going to be John." So they looked at Zechariah, and they signed to him, which was really pretty cool signing in the Bible, they signed to him, you know, I don't, I thought that he couldn't only talk, but this kind of suggests that maybe he couldn't hear, I don't know. Uh, anyway, they signed to him, you know, what, what is this? There's nobody in your family that's named John, uh, go ahead and name him after yourself. 
Zechariah takes a tablet and writes on it, his name is John. And immediately he's able to speak, he praises the Lord, and he starts to prophesy. So this is the end of the prophecy of, uh, that Zechariah gave. And uh, so we start at 76. And uh, it, he's talking about um, his son John, John the Baptist. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of sins, of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those in dark, living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, and he lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. So this path of peace, that's what grabbed me when I was looking at this. What is this path of peace? What is this path of peace? The Greek word for uh, this piece is Irene. And, um, cool. <laughs> Irene. Now, when, when I looked at that and uh, I thought about what that actually meant, I tried to put that into context on what Zechariah was saying. So the first thing, when I looked that up, the first thing is a state of national tranquility. This word tranquility comes up a couple of times in this definition. But the first thing is the national focus on peace, peace among the nations. And then the second thing that was brought up is peace between individuals. In other words, some kind of harmony. So in other words, peace between us. So we have the national focus and then we have the us focus. And then the third thing was that, that idea of safety and security and prosperity and happiness and contentment and those kinds of things. Um, that then brings it to us and in our hearts and that contentment and that happiness and that, that tranquility within. The fourth thing is of the Messiah's peace that way that leads to peace. In other words, that salvation, peace with God, of Christianity, the tranquil state of a soul assured of the, its salvation through Christ. Think about that definition in itself. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. Wow, what a neat thing, isn't it? And then that last thing is the blessed state of a devout and upright person after death. So in other words, this whole concept of peace um, was, was, was large. It encompassed everything. And so when Zechariah says, you know, he so eloquently said, the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. That peace encompassed everything that we just defined, which I found fascinating. You know, what, what is this kind of peace, and, and can we have it in our lives? 
And how do we actually achieve that? So I have to say that some of the paths, especially uh, on our way to the beach, some of the paths that we were on weren't especially peaceful. They weren't especially tranquil, especially when they were four lanes wide with inches between disasters. You know, those are the kind of paths that I just as soon stay off. But they, are, they were taking us, that was taking us to our, our destination. And then I hear my dear wife say, you follow way too close. I know. <laughs> I can stop. <laughs> I hear that a lot, by the way. Her brake doesn't work on that side of the car. It used to be when I was growing up that my mother would, you know, you know put... Her brake didn't work either. <laughs> uh, so I was absorbed, and we were absorbed in great conversation, and I overshot our exit. Mm. Follow way too close, and you get us lost. <laughs> so anyway, um, I fought, you know, overshot our exit, and it was way back there, and okay, now what? So, you know, we get the British voice and Garmin to tell us where we're going. I love that. Um, take a left, you know, take a right. Take another left, take another right, and you'll be on your way again. So it, it was just a slight detour. But what that did is that took us on a different path. That took us on a path that we wouldn't have seen had I not overshot our exit. So God, what God ended up doing there is he ended up taking us on a really, I mean, it wasn't a beautiful detour, but it wasn't on the highway either. It was on a, you know, we got behind a big tractor type thing and going, you know, 25 miles per hour instead of the 45 posted and we'll get there. We'll get there. Just, we'll get there. Remember, I was trying to relax. We'll get there. Could it be that God's path is mostly unknown and what I consider a detour is part of his plan in my life? Think about that. Think about that as a question for your life. If I already knew every detail of God's plan for my life, why would I need to trust him? Hmm. What I do know is that he gently guides me left and right, left, and right, on a new path that leads to Him. That I am sure of. And that's what we kind of experience on our way to the, to the beach. That prophesied path of peace is all that it was defined. That peace that encompassed everything here. Christ has come into my life personally to bring about this tranquil state of the soul. I just love that. I love that imagery. The tranquil state of the soul. The soul that resides in my heart. It's eternal fellowship with my Creator. Through the fulfillment of this prophecy, I will experience harmony between my brothers and my sisters. Again, sometimes in our world that's a a miraculous happening that we actually get along. But that's what this 
fulfillment of the prophecy does for us. A peace that is because of Jesus. The Christ that John would cry out about in the wilderness is the very one that provides that spiritual security, that spiritual safety, that spiritual prosperity, and that spiritual happiness and contentment. Felicity. Now, that was a new word for me, I have to admit. Uh, I didn't do well in the SAT. Um, Lee had to explain it. <laughs> so, that's another message for another day. But that, that whole idea of happiness and contentment, the spiritual happiness and contentment, it's a spiritual prosperity, it's a spiritual safety, it's a spiritual security. This eloquent man of God, Zechariah, who was unable to speak until John was born, spoke of the promised Messiah who guides us and frees our hearts from guilt and despair so that we may live not only on this earth but in a state of tranquility with God. This is what Zechariah was prophesying about John. John would lead the way to that Messiah that would bring that kind of peace, that kind of transformation in our very souls. Can we have this? Yes, indeed we can. We need to come, we need to receive, and be cleaned. That person of peace will enter our souls with his very presence and bring light and a miraculous healing to our darkness to this shadow that oftentimes overcomes us. And we've all been through some darkness in our lives. We've all had that shadow we just can't seem to get away from. And that's what Jesus shines his light on to bring some kind of clarity, some kind of light to those dark, dark, deep recesses of our souls so that we can live, so that we can be free, so that we can enjoy light and put off darkness and despair. So in, in, when I think about that, I think about that come and receive and be cleaned. Matthew, in Matthew, and I found these verses in Matthew. Matthew eleven twenty eight. This is a section where Jesus is talking to, to the people, and he says, you know, talking about the rest for the weary. Um, and he says in 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Hmm. All you who are weary, I will give you rest. Sounds like a weary is kind of a dark place. And Jesus promises to give us rest. He promises that he will be with us. And he is the one that does this. But Jesus says right here in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me. 
And I thought about that, and I thought, how do we achieve this peace? We simply turn towards Jesus, and we come to him. We go to him. We go to him, and he receives us. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. He cannot, he can, he's God, but he specifically says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come. The action piece of that verse is come. Come to me. So I say that if we want to achieve that kind of peace, if we want to receive that kind of peace, if we want to experience that kind of peace, if we want to be tranquil in our soul, if we want to be peaceful, then we have to turn to Jesus. We have to come to Jesus because Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Again, in Matthew 21, he says, 21:22. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. And when I looked at this, I went, hmm. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. So we come to Jesus, we bow down before him, and we cry out to him, Lord, give me peace. Lord, save me. Lord, thank you for that gift that you gave in sacrificing yourself for my sin. We pray to him. And if we believe him, then we will receive what we have prayed for. And we pray for peace. Jesus will absolutely give us that peace. Okay, right on. That's good. We come to Jesus We pray to him. He receives us. We receive what we have prayed for. And then the final thing on that is, blessed are the pure in heart. It's in Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. To be cleansed to be clean, the pure in heart. Uh, I thought about that. The, um, I looked up pure in, in the Greek, and um, katharos, or something of that nature. It's meaning uh, free from corrupt desire, from sin, from guilt, blamelessness, uh, blameless, innocent, and unstained with the guilt of anything. Can we achieve that on our own? Can we do that on our own? No. No. It's only through Jesus that we can actually be clean. So what Jesus was saying is, come to me, pray to me, receive an answer to your prayer, and be clean by accepting that I took all of that stuff all of that guilt for you so that you can be blameless, guilt-free, so that you can be unstained, unstained with the guilt of anything. Because Jesus said, I will take that on myself so that you can be free from this. 
Um, Narnia is a great, a great movie. I think Narnia is one of the one of the really neat movies. And at the end of Narnia, uh, well, close to the end, uh, Aslan is um, has made a deal with a white witch. And um, the deal was that he would give up his life in exchange for the traitor. So it was pretty vivid. We're, we're watching this. It's pretty vivid. And he's walking down this path. Um, and he has his friends with him, but he's walking down this path. And I thought about that path. Was that the path of peace? It was for us, but it wasn't for him. Jesus walked down that path, that path where he took, he died, he exchanged his life for ours, and he walked down that path that was not a path of peace for him, but it was for us. Such a dichotomy in that. I, I just, that's hard for me to, that's, it really is hard for me to kind of grasp. That, that someone would freely, willingly give up their life who's innocent in exchange for guilty so that I can be clean. That path was not a path of peace for Jesus, but it was a path of peace for us because it was necessary so that we could do it. When Zechariah opened his mouth and prophesied, he broke a 400-year silence of the prophets. Very interesting that God was silent for 400 years. He praised God. He told of the coming of the Messiah and the role of his own son. Uh, and our lives would never be the same. Our lives would never be the same, just like Zechariah and Elizabeth's world was not the same. So as Sandy and I said our set out on our experience. Uh, we experienced the birds of coastal South Carolina. Now, you know that you have arrived at a really nice age when you go to the beach and you go there to bird watch. We didn't go there to hang out on the beach to get baked or do anything in the surf or anything. Nope, we went to bird watch. And a great time we had bird watching. It's nothing that I would have done when I was in my 20s. But we've arrived. Now the path, you know, the, the surprise was that I had done a little bit of research. And um, there's a state park in South Carolina that is known for bird watching. And this is where we were going to go. Now it was calling for rain. Calling for rain, calling for rain. It, and we got a little wet. But we experienced a couple of these um, wilderness trails. The trail starts out kind of wide, and then it narrows. And I was reminded again how life does this. And sometimes we can't quite see what's around the, the, the corner. Sometimes we just don't know what's around the corner. Now I have a choice. I can stop and I can decide that this is a really nice place on the trail. I can I, and, and enjoy that surrounding. Turn around and go back on that trail in the familiar. Or I have the choice that I can go forward, 
go around the bend if I want and experience whatever God has for me on that around the bend. What do we choose? The familiar or the unfamiliar? And I think that that's something that we have to, to kind of think about in our lives. And maybe sometimes it's that we, no, we don't go this way. We turn around and go back on the familiar. Confidence. Prophesied and promised in the person of peace, that Messiah, because God guides us on our, on our journey, on our path. Now, confession time, I have to say, I don't always trust God. I should just stop there. <laughs> because I don't always trust God to guide that, that, that around that corner is going to be okay. And I struggle with that. Because there's a lot of areas in my life when I think I, I would be much happier. I would, much, I would experience much more tranquility if I would only trust that God has me on, the, on that path. I get a little anxious. I get a little paralyzed with fear. And I just don't move. And I don't even go back sometimes on the familiar. I just stand there. It's like... I can't do anything. I'm paralyzed with fear. And that happens sometimes in my life. Zechariah was stricken with this inability to speak for a number of months. But that was a miraculous moment for him. And he learned, and he was truly a man of God. And he, he experienced all that promise and that prophecy as it was fulfilled in front of him. You ever wonder if John the Baptist, while he wandered out there in the wilderness, thought about the path that he was on, the, the, the calling that he was on, the commitment that he had made to serve God in this way? Had, I think about that. Did, in his humanity, did he ever say, God, wait a minute, this is really uncomfortable, locusts, I don't like, you know, I don't like eating that stuff. This is really uncomfortable. Give me a steak. Some of that stuff that's being sacrificed, that'd be good for that. Did he do that? No, he probably didn't. <laughs> he just accepted that he would go out there and proclaim the coming of, of the Messiah. Am I called to do the same? Are we called to be like John the Baptist crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for Christ to those that we interact with, those that we come in contact with on a regular basis or even on an occasional basis. Is that what we're called to be? To go out and prepare the way for somebody? Are we called to be different because we are transformed? Are we called to love differently because we have the love of Christ in us? Are 
Are we called to forgive differently? Because we have been forgiven of all those sins that are worthy of death. Are we called to forego judging others? Because we realize that God is the judge. And it's a good thing. Are we called to live differently in harmony with our brothers and sisters instead of the strife and discord? Are we called to trust differently in God rather than men so that he may shine his sun on our darkness to bring light to our path so that we too may have that peace now and for all eternity? forevermore when I was putting this together I didn't know that Jamie had picked that song evermore evermore my heart will say is that the kind of peace that we can experience that person of peace shines on the path of peace and brings the presence of peace This is the message that we are called to shout in the wilderness. That wilderness that we call our world. Because our world is a wilderness. And we're in it. And like John the Baptist, I say, yes, we are called to that same same thing that John the Baptist is called to. To prepare the way for Christ to enter the hearts of his people. His people that don't know him yet. So that they can come to him so that they can receive an answer to their prayer, so that they can be pure in heart in receiving that forgiveness of his, because of his, his death and his resurrection. Jesus says in Matthew 5:16, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I have said that verse over and over and over and over and over. And it has a certain power to it. And in the church that I grew up in, we, when the, the babies were baptized, presented, eight days old, 30 days old, um, we would essentially give that kind of charge to the child, knowing that the parents would accept that responsibility and help them. But that's what we said. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That hope of peace gives way to the heart of peace. been a really neat experience to to um, to prepare this because I had a lot of moments where I just was peaceful I didn't quite understand that it feels different for me because I don't experience that a lot but I did in 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 preparing for this so um,
Join me in prayer, will you please? Father, we give you thanks and we give you praise and we give you glory. We give you all honor because you have given us yourself and the peace that comes with us with that. Lord, we pray that as we go out and as we prepare those folks that you have put in front of us to receive you, let us do it with the the calling of, of John, where we know that we are here for a purpose to prepare the way for you. We give you thanks, Lord. We give you all honor and glory, and we give you praise. It's in Jesus' name, amen.